to start this broadcast by singing together the song, What a Beautiful Name It Is, The Name of Jesus.
what a powerful name what it is. Nothing can stand against what a powerful time to seek the Lord so let us pray holy father you are the most exalted one you are magnificent you are the sovereign lord ruler and maker of heaven and earth indeed as we even see on our screens and across the media that humans are exploring outer space we want to acknowledge today that you are the God that spoke and the planets and the stars and this universe and the earth in which we live came into being. Lord, you are almighty. You are all powerful, Lord. And we praise you and magnify your holy name today. Who are we that you would think of us and be mindful of us? And in doing so, Lord, we know and have experienced your great love towards us. Lord, our hearts and minds are open and revealed to you because there is nothing that is hidden from you. So we come to you by faith, accepting the grace that you offer to us today. Father, I begin this prayer not only by giving you thanks that you are Lord over the universe, but you are also sovereign over the affairs of human beings in this world. And I lift up to you the city of Wolverhampton, the leader of the council, the directors, Lord, whom you have raised up for this time. Lord, the medical professionals, our schools and places of education. I pray for our businesses and places of leisure, Lord, and we, we ask, Sovereign Lord, that you will grant wisdom in this time, that you will give direction and guidance. And may those who have responsibility to lead this city acknowledge that they need you. They need your guidance. They need your help in this time. And I know, Lord, that you will give that wisdom and that guidance in abundance. And so we thank you in advance. Thank you for our church, for the leaders of this church, for the members and friends of Harvest Temple. And where you have situated us in Heath Town and the, the surrounding areas, we pray for peace. We pray for unity. 
We pray for that community spirit that will galvanize us to support each other and bless each other. We pray for righteousness in our streets. Lord, that uh, law and order and what is good will prevail far above what is evil, O God. Thank you that in this time you are using, Lord, this time of testing to bring us together. And may the good news of Jesus Christ be heralded not only from this church, but from every church, from every gathering that names the name of Jesus Christ as Lord. Lord, may light shine into darkness and bring salvation and hope and joy and peace in you. I pray, Father, for families in our community who are bereaved at this time. Many they are, Lord, from uh, the period of last year and coming through into 2021. Lord, many of our friends and relatives have passed away. Hearts are broken. Hearts are still aching. There are those who are still struggling to come to terms, Lord, with the passing of loved ones. And so I pray you would endow your peace upon these respective homes, Lord. Keep these families in unity. Send appropriate help and grace to those, Lord, who are struggling, Lord, at this time. And may your blessing of peace rest upon each one and also as a collective, O oh God. Father, there are those who are not well in body at this time. We pray for healing of the body, Lord. We pray for a healing touch right now, Father, that will restore health, Lord, in Jesus' name. And not only for the healing of the body, but we pray also for the healing of minds and emotions and hearts and indeed spirits which are broken. You are a specialist. You can heal broken hearts and bind up their wounds. So we thank you for that now in advance. And we thank you for the prosperity of your people, for the provision that you make for your people, that each day we trust you by faith. By faith, we believe you and trust that your grace is sufficient to meet every need that we have. Lord, we look to you. Our eyes are fastened on you. You are the author and you are the completer of our faith. And we raise you up in praise and give you thanks and bless your holy name today, O oh God. We say hallelujah to your great name, Sovereign God. We thank you for the hope we have in you. We give you glory, we give you praise, and we thank you that the rest of this broadcast will bring blessing and peace and upliftment to all who are viewing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Greetings to you all on this wonderful Sunday. 
Greetings to Bishop and family and to the Harvest Temple family and to everybody who is watching today, whether you are watching for the first time or not, I greet you in the mighty and precious name of Jesus Christ. Today I want to share with you a word that God laid on my heart a few weeks ago um, and it's given me the opportunity today to share that word with you um, and I, I want to go straight into that word. So without any delay, please grab your Bibles with me, your phones or tablets or whatever you have um, and turn with, us to our, or turn with me to our first portion of scripture today which we will read from Acts 9 verses 1 to 19. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias. Come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to pro proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. No doubt this is one of the most well-told, well-taught biblical accounts in Scripture. It talks about Saul's conversion from being one of the biggest persecutors of Christ and Christ's disciples to becoming one of the most well-respected, renowned and profound teachers of the gospel in the Bible. This portion of scripture is so, re so rich in its content um, that it teaches us on uh, conversion and that God can save anybody. It teaches us that God can use anybody. 
It teaches us about convictions of our sins and that prayer can move the heart of God and the hand of God. There are so many lessons that we could go into uh, uh, with, with this portion, but uh, the lesson that I want to focus on today is the one that we receive reading verses 3 to 8 and the conclusion of that in verse 18. And that lesson is simple, that when God is trying to get our attention, there is absolutely nothing, there is zilch, nil, absolutely nothing that anyone can do to stop God from getting our attention. And so the word of God that he laid on my heart uh, a few weeks ago was, was this, and I want to share this with you today. Now you see me. My little boy is reaching on that six month age now where he's just started interacting and smiling and, um, you know, paying attention to things. When I walk in the room, he fixates his eyes on me and he follows me around the room and and almost as if as if uh, I'm the best thing he's ever seen. And um, he, he's, he's just got to that age where he started focusing on the TV and his mom. And and my daughter is also at that age where now she started to focus on everything else. Uh, there's a two-year gap between them, and she started to focus on everything else but us. <laughs> you know, she's focusing on the television or books, or or she's focusing on cookies. There's toys to play with, etc. And uh, it is our duty as our as parents to make sure that I can capture her attention because when the important things happen, like we're leaving the house, she needs to get her coat on. So I'm saying to her, Naya, you need to listen. You need to pay attention. You need to put your coat on, put your hat on, put your scarf on, etc., etc. And even though there's a two-year age gap between the both of them, my parental responsibility is to demand my kids' attention for the sole reason that as a parent, I know best. And although, you know, we can never be the perfect parent, it is still our responsibility to keep them safe as best as we possibly can so that they don't hurt themselves, so that they don't run into the road, so that they don't get lost because we know the right way to go. Uh, the, you know, that thing that every parent says that, um, you know, uh, I really didn't like hearing when I was younger. While you're under my roof, you listen to what I say. Uh, I mean, they're a bit young now to tell them while you're under my roof. Um, but, but the point I'm trying to make is that here is God today who is perfect in all of his ways, in all of his thoughts. And he's saying, you are under my banner. I got you, but I need you to see me. I need you to hear me, I need you to pay attention, and I need you to hear my voice. In this particular scripture, Saul is on the Damascus road with a couple of his guys, and he's, he's riding along probably, um, you know, on their horses, talking about their plans, about what they're going to do when they reach their destination, probably laughing at the persecution that's been caused or making plans. And all of a sudden, boom, here comes Jesus and kicks him off his horse and steps into the scene and and throws Saul off his game, off his game. And Saul, he says, why do you persecute me? And chose Saul to be his chosen vessel, his instrument to proclaim Christ to the Gentiles and the kings and the people of Israel. 
It's estimated that this very incident took place about 4,012 years, six months and 10 days and a few hours give or take after the, the Garden of Eden, where God used to walk in the cool of the day and call out to Adam and Eve in the garden. After the Tower of Babel, after Moses and the great escape from Egypt. After Moses and the Ten Commandments, after Noah's Ark, after Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, after Samuel and Eli and so many other stories in the Old Testament. Let me run to the New Testament. After Jesus' many, many years on earth, after hundreds of miracles and, 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 and parables and, and sermons of, of Christ and his disciples, after Jesus' death, after his resurrection, after the coming of the Holy Ghost in the upper room, after all this and so much more over thousands of years, here is Jesus again on the Damascus road, still making himself known, still stopping people in their tracks, still demanding his, his attention, uh, your att uh, soul's attention for his divine purpose. And God today is still calling us Stopping us in our tracks and putting the brakes on saying, hold on now, I know best. It is my parental responsibility to stop you and tell you that I have a better way, that I have a bigger plan. He is still stopping people right now, telling them, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I know the plans that I have for you, plans for you to prosper and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future, but you just need to listen. At the very beginning of our lives, at the very beginning of our, our born again lives, at the commencement of our conversion, it's easy for us to be focused on God. It's easy for God to get our attention because our mind is consumed with nothing but God. We're focused on him because we're excited about our salvation and being accepted into the family of God. And so everything that we think about is to please God. But as we grow over time, we get so many distractions, so many things begin to steal our attention. Just like my daughter who sees the cookies, who sees the books and the TVs and the toys and wants to do everything else but pay attention. And, 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 and I as a parent have to tell her, stop, listen, pay attention and make her focus. And here is God demonstrating to us in this very instance that when he demands our attention, there is absolutely nothing that will get in the way of that. Here is God demonstrating that if you're not going to hear my voice, if you're going to be distracted by everything else around you, which becomes louder and louder and drowns out God's still calm voice, his still whisper, then he has to do everything within his parental responsibility to stop us right where we are and isolate us and stall us and arrest us in the spirit until we hear his voice. And until we start looking for him again from our heart and reevaluate in whom we believe and remember whom we belong to and persuade ourselves again that he is able to keep us, uh, he is able to keep that very thing which we have committed to him until that day with no more pretense, 
with no more acting, no more going with the motions, no more of the just the churchy churchy stuff. God wants our attention and so that we seek him and find him and know him for ourselves without the glim and glamour. And what the enemy has used right now, these lockdowns and this coronavirus, what the enemy has used right now for, for bad, God is using this same situation, this same time to reveal himself to his people. Because now that the noise around us has become dim, if you listen, his voice is ever louder than it's ever been. Saying, here I am. Hear my voice. Know me deeper. I'm calling you to know me deeper. And I'm calling you to see me clearer. With no distractions. Just you and me. Just you and God. Because that's all God really wants from us. That's all he wants from us is for us to know him. And the power of his resurrection. Let me show you. Look at, look at verse Matthew, uh, Matthew 27 verse 50 to 54. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of their tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. From almost the very beginning of scripture, God was always approached uh, or dwelled within a specific confine made by man. For example, an altar or an ark or a vessel or a temple. The very last place in scripture that followed this pattern was the temple of Jerusalem. And the significance of the veil being torn that we just read was to separate the holy place from the holies of holies. Where once a year a ritually pure priest would enter behind the curtain on the day of atonement and offer up a sin offering for God's people. It was a place where the Spirit of God dwelled and you could not enter behind that veil without being ritually pure. And so that left the, the, the majority of believers constantly reaching for God, never quite being able to grasp or reach him in a way that was life transforming. And the significance of the veil tearing, uh, it was wrapped up in, in old covenant function and, 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 and to separate the Israelites from the direct presence of God. Matthew writes here uh, as he narrates the tearing of the veil in a way that was so error turning. It was an error turning moment because when Jesus died on the cross, the veil represented the, the gates of God's presence finally being opened. And the age of the new covenant had finally come. 
which meant that not only did did it allow us to have direct access to God, but it allowed God to have direct access to us and to dwell outside of the confines made by man, dwell outside of the church or the temple or the ark. It allowed his spirit to dwell in us and with us as our bodies became the temple of God. This demonstrated to us that God wanted his people to be reachable. Uh, God wanted his people to know that he was reachable and accessible through Christ's death. He no longer wanted his people to be uh, to hear about him or to be represented by a high priest or someone from the lineage of our Aaron. God wanted us to know that he wants us to know him deeper and more intimately. So today, these two pastors' scriptures and the, the, the word that God impressed on me left us with, leaves us with two instructions and three lessons. Here is the first instruction. Don't be a teenager. I know that sounds strange, but when I was young, you know, I, I, I made, you know, I... I mean, I, I, I got myself some problems, okay? I, 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 you know, I made a few mistakes and had I just listened, I would not have got myself into those predicaments. Just like the majority of us, just like the children of Israel, just like the prodigal son, like we all once were at one point immature and did what we wanted to rather than did what we were told to do. And it's the same situation, just a different day for all of us. And so what God is calling us to right now is to spiritually be weaned off the milk and begin to desire after the meat of his word and his spirit. And he's telling us as a church and as individuals to stop, look at me and listen. That's the first instruction. The second instruction was this. The veil of the temple was torn, which was the very thing that separated us in the old covenant from God. Let's leave that veil torn. Nothing should get in the way. Nothing should become a screen between us and seeing God. Nothing should get in the way, not even church. Don't let anything get in the way of us, our relationship with God, seeing God for who he is. He shut everything down for a reason. So that you and I have no more excuses, no more reasons that we cannot draw close to him. Because right now, with everything getting quiet, his, loud, his voice should be getting louder in us. And we should be clearer than ever that this is about God. So let us leave that veil rendered in two and put nothing in the way of us reaching God and put nothing before God. Here are the lessons that God impressed on me that I'm going to leave with you today. There are three things that God wants from us, whether we're saved or unsaved, whether we're churched or unchurched. He wants our attention without distraction. How do we do this? We stop, we look and we listen. Saul never had a choice in this matter. Saul was just kicked off his horse and God, God just stopped him in his tracks and isolated him. But God has given us a choice today. 
Saul was stopped in the Damascus road and, 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 and had to listen to the instruction that God gave him. Have you not realized today that we have been isolated, that we've been stopped in our tracks, that we can no longer move forward unless we hear the instruction of Almighty God? Saul inquired of the Lord. He asked and he followed the instruction of the Lord. He, he, God instructed Saul. He said, go to this location and someone called Ananias will come to you. And he listened and followed his exact, exact instructions. And God came through. Since the very first lockdown, God has been revealing some stuff to me um, throughout some scriptures uh, that I hadn't really seen before. And one of the things that God, uh, one of the scriptures that God has really impressed on me since the very beginning was Matthew 7 verse 70. Ask and it shall be given, seek and you shall find, knock and the door will be opened unto you. And it came to me that this, this, this particular scripture is almost like a roadmap for us. If you ask me, I will give you the map and show you the way God said to me. If you seek me, I'll make sure you find me. And when you get here and knock, uh, without a doubt, I will answer the door to you. But first of all, you have to start by asking. This is how we give God our attention. We stop and we ask of him and we inquire of him. Number two, God wants us to know him. Once he has our attention, we should build our relationship with him daily continually perusing scripture, continually pursuing God. Using the fact that our buildings are shut and we're in lockdown as a once in a lifetime opportunity to lessen our busy lives and increase the time that we spend with God. God wants us to know him deeper, more intimately. He wants, he wants us to know him more meaningfully and more relationally. He wants us to look for him. And number three, God wants us to see him. As we draw closer to him in our relationship, God, like he did with Saul, will begin to remove the scales from our eyes. He'll begin to remove the cataracts, all the gunk, all the things that were getting in our way. He'll begin to remove and, and, and keep that veil rendered in two. Things that are always hindering us from seeing him the way he wants us to see him. And we'll begin to see him in ways we never have before. He wants us to listen to his instructions and he wants us to see him. Almost 2,000 years ago, after his death, here he is saying again today in 2020 and 2021, no more distractions, no more hiding on the wrong side of the veil. No more hiding behind the busyness of church. No more hiding behind our excuses of busy lives. Here is God saying today, Dale, Dale, now you see me. Here is God saying today, Bishop, now you see me. Here is God saying today, Pastors, now you see me. Here is God saying today, Harvest Temple, now. Right now is your opportunity to see me. Here is God saying, New Testament Church of God, now you see me. Songwriter once put it this way, when the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come, 
longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart and coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you it's all about you Jesus I'm sorry Lord for the things that I've made it I'm sorry, Lord, for the things that I've made. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things that I've made it. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about him. And if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you now have a very unique opportunity. A unique opportunity of a lifetime. And all you have to do is give him your attention. Get to know him and ask him to open your eyes to the wonders of his majesty. And remember to stop, look, and listen. God bless you. You've listened to the podcast. And you want to start or renew your relationship with Jesus Christ. First of all, may I congratulate you. You've made the best decision you could ever make. There are three easy steps. Number one, ask for forgiveness. There'll be a prayer at the end of this for you to say, if you're not sure how to say it. Number two, believe that your prayer has been heard and it's been answered by God. Number three, confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord. That too will be in the prayer. After the prayer, there'll be some contact details for you to use. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, loving, gentle, caring and kind, you gave your life for me. As a sinner, I come to you. Please forgive me, Lord, of every sin I have ever done. Things I have said, evil thoughts I've had and things that I did to make you unhappy. Lord, I invite you now to take control of my life that I may be the person you want me to be and the person you created me to be. I believe your words that your blood at the cross washed away all my sins and has cleansed me and set me free so that I can live with you eternally. Thank you, Lord, for loving me and for dying for me. I thank you for cleansing me and setting me free. I love you, Lord, and confess that you are my Lord and Saviour. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you've said that prayer and believe it, welcome into the family of God. You are now a born-again Christian. I celebrate with you that you've decided to follow Jesus. Here are some contact details for you to contact us. If you need help or support during this time, looking forward to meeting with you. Take care, keep safe and keep well. God bless. Are you a new or young Christian? Have you been thinking about taking membership at New Testament Church of God? Are you a seasoned Christian with a heart to disciple others? Why not join our new intake of relational discipleship? starting mid-February 2021, Sunday mornings at 11am. The cost of the course book is £23.75. For more information, please contact info at ntcg 
harvesttemple.org.uk. Thank you. Brothers and sisters, at this time we're going to worship God in our giving. All of the information that you need to give will be on the screen, so please follow that information. And we just want to thank you for consistently giving and tithing, uh, just so the work of the Lord can continue in Heathtown, in Wolverhampton, and across this nation and the world.